This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode and another new week of Winnipeg Sports Talk and Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Great to have you with us. I'm Andrew Patterson along with Michael Remus. And holy smokes, do we've got a lot of Jets to, um, news to get to today. Um, a major injury, a big benching on Saturday night, the first three-game losing streak of the season, and a huge two-game set beginning tonight with the Edmonton Oilers right here in Winnipeg. Coming up a little later on, we will have Murata Tesh join us in about 15 minutes or so. We'll go down the uh, the long list of Jets topics with our good friend Murat. And as always, we're brought to you by our great sponsors, Not Autocorp, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Breezy Bend, Coolbet Canada, Aikens Lake, and our newest sponsor, Assiniboia Downs. Um, only having one guest today because, first of all, Remus and I have a million things to get to from the weekend that are, in fact, not Jet-related. And I imagine Jets Talk will take up at least the first hour of the program with the Oilers in town tonight and so much to get to coming out of the weekend and, of course, coming out of this morning's media availability with both head coach Paul Maurice and Jets star center Mark Scheife. Let's get Remus in here. Remo, um, first things first, how was your weekend? How are you doing? Are you ready to get after it this week on WST? Oh, yeah, I'm fired up. Uh, it got my last uh, bonfire with friends in for uh, about a month, so I won't be doing that anymore. Um, we're not going to get to that, though. We have a lot of Jets uh, topics. We had the Jets game uh, Saturday. We did paint my basement, so I had to move all my equipment and then put it back, uh, and then put it back like exactly where it was before. I think I eyeballed it, but uh, everything is slightly off. So uh, well, gotta the make slammy's sure. there. The slammy's there. Oh, the yeah, goal light it. is there. Some yeah, of the jerseys are there. You're there. The mic's there. So I don't know. It seems seems like you did a pretty good job. Yeah, I don't know. I'm getting. I put the TV at the wrong angle that I'm or the monitor, so I'm getting some bad neck pain. But I'll I'll power through. Oh, you know what? Just that's that's the grind of the the Winnipeg Sports Talk daily life, man. Sometimes the you just have to persevere. You got to power through it. Um, as I mentioned, we've got lots to get to today. Um, coming out of the game, and you know, Reem, I figured that today the biggest story, and it still will be a large part of our conversation, will be on Mark Shifley. Um, you know, who uh, was stapled to the bench for most of the second period on Saturday night in a big game for first place against the Leafs on Hockey Night in Canada. Um, but before we get there, um, the biggest news coming out of this morning is the fact that Nikolai Ehlers is going to be out for the remainder of the regular season. When we didn't see Nick out there this morning, I think there was a concern that maybe he uh, you know, was banged up from you know, a very physical game on Saturday night. Um, but I'm not sure everyone was prepared for him being out for the rest of the regular season, although the coach said they were, I believe the quote was confident and hopeful that Ehlers will be back for the Stanley Cup playoffs. And, uh, man, you know, I don't even want to think about what the Jets are like with Nikolai Ehlers. Never mind, it's not as fun to watch them. Um, when we're talking about a best of seven against whoever it's going to be in this North Division playoffs, it's safe to say the Jets are going to need a healthy and strong Nikolai Ehlers if they want to if they want to do anything. Yeah, and it's tough to pinpoint, um, you know, what exactly happened to him. You know, we're all talking about the hit he took from Jake Muzzin, where he kind of pushed back on Muzzin. Muzzin was the one who seemed to get a lot of the hit, but you get hit the wrong way, maybe you hit something incorrectly, could be precautionary. They said, yeah, Maurice said confident and hopeful. 
he can come back for the playoffs. But yeah. I mean, you can't understate what he means to the team. Huge part of uh, the secondary scoring and even uh, primary scoring at times. Doesn't get the power play one minute, but I mean, you look at his uh, rate, his rate stats in terms of efficiency. Uh, he's up there among you know best players in the league. Uh, excellent at zone entries, skating. Uh, he's got. He talked with you last week about being a, a shoot first player. We've certainly seen that more this year. So a team that's already missing Adam Lowry as your third line center, you're missing your second line winger who could be a top, you know, top line winger on many teams. Uh, it's you know I said a couple weeks ago, everything's going great for the Jets. They they haven't changed up the lineup in like at least a month. Uh, Wheeler gets hurt, he comes back, and then Lowry's hurt, and now Ehlers is down. So uh, not not going great. And oh, sorry, the team's also going on a three-game losing streak. <laughs> and um, the goalie got uh, the starting Vesna goalie got pulled and said he didn't like. It. And then sh- your number one center, who's leading the team in points, gets benched. And he said today he didn't like it. So no shortage. And and we also <laughs> had a very spirited playoff-like game on Saturday against the Maple Leafs. So yeah, no shortage of stuff for to talk about here. Yeah, no, listen, we're going to get to all of that with Murat in just a couple minutes. Uh, we can tell you, this is the way the lines looked at practice today. Without Adam Lowry, he came out afterwards in a yellow no-contact jersey, and without Nikolai Ehlers. Um, so Mark Scheifele is slated to play with Andrew Kopp and Mason Appleton, which is a very interesting look, considering that is normally Adam Lowry's spot on what you know, it was traditionally the shutdown line, if you will. I mean, really focused on checking the other team's best. Pierre-Luc Dubois coming off two of his best games as a Jet. He's going to be with Kyle Connor and Blake Wheeler. And then this is an interesting lineup. Paul Stastny centering Matthew Perot and likely Christian Veselainen, which leaves Nate Thompson, Trevor Lewis, and Jansen Harkins for fourth-line duties right now. So, um, you know, kind of lost in all of this is Veselainen getting an opportunity to get back in. Um, but I have to tell you, and I'm really looking forward to talking about this uh, with Murat, what we can take from the coach's decision to move Mark Scheifele to play with Andrew Kopp and Mason Appleton, um, you know, and, and for tonight's game. And Remus, I'm interested in your thoughts on this before we get to Murat. Um, you know, is Dubois, Wheeler, Connor the line that's going to get the majority of Connor McDavid tonight? Um, is it going to be Shifley along with Kopp and Appleton? Um, you know, maybe with some more support defensively in a group, um, you know, without Adam Lowry. Um, you know, or, you know, do we see, you know, a combination of uh, of all of the lines considering Connor McDavid usually plays 25 to 27 minutes a game? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I know last time these two teams played, we were paying very close attention to who had the matchups with Connor McDavid. First it was Lowry, uh, then it was Shifley Connor, and they were on the, for that shift where they got mixed up and uh McDavid would set up a set up a goal there. So um maybe he is sending a message. I, I kinda like your your thought. You're putting Shifley with, you know, guys who are, you know, more two way style players. I mean, we both know Cop and Appleton can contribute offensively, but also very responsible defensively. So I do kinda like that. One thing we haven't seen that I'm very curious about this year, um uh, Paul Stan, yeah, Paul Stasny. I was about to say Paul Stanley, but Paul Stasny. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I've been listening to a lot of Kiss records uh, on the weekend. <laughs> I'm yes. surprised I haven't done that yet. Just um, but- to clarify, it's not the star child of Kiss. It is, in fact, NHL yeah. veteran Paul Stasny yeah. that is in the Jets lineup. This tonight. line is very intriguing to me. Uh, Paul Stasny, he's getting a shot, you know, playing down in the lineup, playing uh, third line center with Matthew Pro, 
who's excelled this year in the fourth line. Uh, he's been excellent, so he's getting a well-deserved promotion. But we will get a look at Christian Veselainen on a third-line role. You know, we always, we've been hearing how uh, Paul Stasny, one of the smartest players in the league, maybe the smartest player ever that Ehlers said that he's played with, you know, maybe he can find uh, Veselainen. He, we can see what this guy can do because he really hasn't had uh, too many opportunities throughout his uh, you know, career as a Jet. No, listen, it is a big, big chance for Veselina, and especially with Ehlers out for the next, you know, 10 games or whatever it is to to show that, you know, he is ready to go when his name is called. And, you know, as we've talked about, you know, much like with the, the depth on defense, adding in Jamie Benn, trying to get Hanala and Ben in the games right now. Uh, if you're going to do anything in the playoffs, you're probably going to need, you know, eight, nine defensemen. And you're certainly going to need more than, you know, the 12 forwards you start in game number one, um, just due to attrition. So um, it certainly is a big chance for Christian Veselina. Now, listen, one other thing, Reem, I know you were very outspoken on this. Um, <laughs> it was it was a chippy game. It was a mm-hmm. physical game. There was a lot going on. You could really feel the animosity between the two clubs. Um, and yet again, another jet goes down on a questionable play. Um, but you really were hot on this Rasmus Sandin, weren't you? <laughs> I was. I was fired up. You were mad online. I, you were I mad was, online. I was very mad on. Well, first of all, you look at the way these games have gone. Jets, Leafs. There's been a lot of uh, crap going on, and the Jets are kind of taking it from the Leafs. You had the Lowry hit to the head. Before that, you had a Hyman, you know, tomahawk chop stick on uh, Neil Pionk. You had uh, the hit on Morrissey from behind. And then again, like right early in the game, uh, Blake Wheeler gets rocked by Rasmus Sandin. And everyone on my time was like, oh, that's such a clean textbook reverse hit. I still I still don't see it. I feel like I'm, I'm nuts because I know I'm all for hitting. I'm for clean hits. But I don't see how this is a clean hit. One, Wheeler doesn't have the puck. Two, Sandin uh, jumps back and in, into Wheeler. And, uh, you know, you're worried that... The captain just coming back from a a head injury, um, you know, is going to get hurt again. You're like, what is this? Is the Jets are just having getting run over here by Toronto? But I'll I'll say this on that play is very. Sandine took a path to the puck where you don't see defensemen turning their back to the four checker. Uh, he came in and people say he was bracing himself for the hit. He was going to lay out Wheeler the entire time. And he hit him with his back. Wheeler's, from one angle, it does look that Wheeler just ran into him. But the other angle, Sandine, I mean, he literally planted his feet and jumped into Wheeler. Now, Wheeler, he's in a position where, look, if he hits Sandine, he's who's showing his back to Wheeler, he's going to get a penalty. So he was looking to poke the puck away, and he's not, I mean, penalty for boarding if he ran him over. So I don't know. If Sandine wants to go and hit him there and wants to do a reverse hit that we've seen Wheeler now get hurt twice on, like go and hit him with your shoulder. Why are you showing him your back? So that was my that was my main issue. I mean, if two guys are going for the puck, one guy gets hit. I mean, fine, but I don't know. I thought it was kind of a, a cheap hit, and we've seen a lot of those. He got hurt earlier, and I was fired up. I'm still fired up because I feel like I'm in the minority of the people who <laughs> think can... so. Maybe I'm just de- playing wrong, and I don't know what I'm talking about. But hit us up in the comments yeah. um, with your thoughts on this because you know it is very split. I mean, some people are right there with you, Reem. Other people think that, you know, hey, it was just sort of bad luck. Blakely was just sort of bracing himself and, you know, got in an awkward position. Yeah. And there's a lot of people say that at minimum it's interference uh, because Wheeler didn't have the puck. So, 
Um, I knew you wanted to get yeah, that I don't, like, I don't think he was program. bracing Just himself. Release, he, release, Remus. He was going in, like, he skated backwards into Wheeler. Like, he showed him his back. And what, in what era are defensemen taught to show their back to a four-checker like that? It doesn't happen. So... What, whatever, bring on, bring on Murad. I'm, I need to calm down. I need to drink a water. <laughs> uh, we're seeing, oh, there's Taylor. I thought it was dirty too. North End Dan, you're right, Remus. James Robinson, it was a risky play by Sandine. He put himself into a very vulnerable position and should feel lucky that Wheeler did not board him. Um, Taylor has said, I argued about it with my dad for hours, LMAO. Sandy and G, I agree. Hustler interference. And, uh, and then uh, Mitch, the Godfather, Remo, you're not in the mator- uh, yeah. in the minority. It was I, interference all day. So, I go on, uh, on Twitter. Every single one's like, "Oh, what a hit by Sandy!" I don't know, maybe because this is a Jets a Jets chat, or <laughs> I, I don't know. Talking to Jesse, you're gonna Pollock. get more sympathy for the Jets here than you do on the national yeah. broadcast. I'll tell well, you that. Well, the much. broadcast they seem to think it was clean and had no issue, and I think a lot of people were turned off by that too. They didn't even mention it. I think I think it's kind of a cheap a cheap. If you're gonna hit a guy. Hit him with your shoulder in the guy's chest and look at him. Don't have your back to him and, like, show yourself in a vulnerable position and then, then drill him. You're finally getting the support you've been looking for all weekend yeah. just by reading I, the My mentions, people the were fired up on my mentions. I, <laughs> I didn't en- I'm not like Jim Toth where I'm going to engage with every person. i gotta, gotta, got to keep my uh, heart rate under control. You're bringing Blocktober to, uh, to spring. Um, yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, speaking of spring... Uh, just before we get to Marat, I want to give a shout-out to our friends at Royal Sports. Uh, listen, I know we've just heard from the province about some new health um, guidelines, restrictions, and whatnot for gathering. The one thing you can do is get outside and take advantage of the nice weather that's on the way. And the best way to do that, head on down to Royal Sports, whether you're looking at a new bike, some new fitness equipment, soccer, baseball equipment. I mean, we still can get outside, and that's, I think, what everyone should be doing right now. So why not get a head start on it? One-stop shop for everything that you need. Royal Sports, 650 Rally in EK or 750 Pembina Highway with the Superstore. And, of course, our friends at Not Auto Corp. My brother called me this morning. I think he's going to be heading down to Not Auto Corp. Uh, the van is no more. Time for a new whip, um, and why not? Get a great deal on the car of your dreams at Not Auto Corp. You can check them out at Waverly and McGilvery. Uh, you can look them up online for what they've got, including all those amazing Teslas at not.ca. And if you're in a vehicle right now that you need to, that you want to get out of, talk to them about their great consignment program. They can help you out with that. It's all there, Not Auto Corp, Waverly and McGilvery, and online at not.ca. All right, we have lots to get to with our next guest. We welcome in our good friend, Marat Atesh of The Athletic. And uh, Marat, how are you? How was your weekend before we get into all this craziness around the local hockey team? (laughs) How was my weekend? My weekend was spent sorting out the melee between the Jets and Maple Leafs. I don't know if you noticed, but my weekend was also partially spent pissing off Toronto Maple Leaf faithful uh, (laughs) by asking about some of those questionable hits against the Jets in the previous game. But... All in all, I'm, you know, I'm healthy, I'm well, I get to go talk about hockey, watch hockey for a living, so I mean, I, I will never complain about how things are set up. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. Even with this news today of some more restrictions, I think we all realize that we got to get it done, and we got to get into a better place right now, and if that means staying home and watching and obsessing about the Winnipeg Jets, I think there's a lot of people with us today that are that have signed up for that. Um Listen, we'll dive into the entire Shifley uh, story um, in, in a minute. 
um, because I think that could really dominate the conversation. But I have to ask you, your reaction, the loss of Nikolai Ehlers, what does this mean for the Jets in the short term? And I mean, I guess we've got to take the coach for, you know, on, at face value that they're both confident and hopeful. I'm not, I hope there's more confidence than hope in their, uh, <laughs> in their Marat. Um, safe to say it's a huge loss for the Winnipeg Jets right now heading into the postseason. 100%. I think a lot of folks, whether you've uh, realized it this year or not, are about to find out that Nikolai Ehlers is Winnipeg's most valuable forward. I mean, this is the guy who leads the Winnipeg Jets in points per minute. He's the zone entry machine. He's tied with Connor McDavid for the best penalty differential in the league. That adds goals to the Jets as well. He has more points per minute in his even strength ice time plus his tiny little bit of power play time than any other Jet has points per minute. And that includes Shifley, Connor, Wheeler, who play big minutes on that top power play unit. He's fun to watch. He's developed a little bit more edge and chippiness in his game this year. This is Winnipeg's most impactful, most dynamic forward. And look, if he comes back in time for the playoffs and he's 100%, great. That's fine. But you never know at times like this. If it is, in fact, a shoulder, which I think it is. You know, I watched right below my seat from the press box as he favored his right arm going off the ice after that hit with Jake Muzzin. I know Paul Maurice didn't want to specify what exact piece of contact it was but for me that's the play he leaves the ice holding his shoulder he goes off the ice he comes back whatever happened in that room he fired up adrenaline whatever you want to do that's the moment for me and that's danger for me as well I mean I guess we're grateful it's not a concussion because those things can go a number of ways uh what can I say I think he's Winnipeg's most valuable forward and I know that the Jets have responded by firing into a top nine sort of setup which is a good recovery look for them but he's the best one yeah, um, and, and he's been proving it game in and game out all season long, and we're going to see what this Winnipeg Jets team looks without the dynamic contributions of Nikolai Ehlers for the next little while. I will say this, and we can kind of move the Lowry um, injury into this as well, Marat, in that um, the optimist would say, thank God this happened now and not in two games left in the regular season or the last game in the regular season, because at least I think what we're getting from the Winnipeg Jets is that they are confident that these players will be back when the games really count. And, you know, I guess the benefit of the success the team has had on the scoreboard so far this year is that, you know, especially in the aftermath of losing those two games to the Maple Leafs and having eight points to make up, we pretty much know where the Jets are going to be. I mean, I don't know, you know, barring winning all the games or losing all the games, I think we pretty much know the Winnipeg Jets are going to be in that 2-3 spot and could very well be playing the team they play tonight. What's important, I think, from a Jets perspective, and, you know, I think while they'll take all the caution in the world with those two key players before getting them back in the lineup is that you want them to be at max help max health with the greatest ability to help the team when the games mean the most exactly absolutely i mean there is a blue sky scenario if you want to be an optimist both of these guys winnipeg is able to use their spot in the standings to take their time let them recover do everything so that they come back at 100 percent. that's the best case scenario then they have fresh legs in time for the playoffs as well that's great but i i keep thinking back to 2018 when, sorry, 2018-2019, the year that Winnipeg went down to the Blues. 
and you have that excellent start to the season that Ehlers gets hurt, Bufflin gets hurt, Morrissey gets hurt right before trade deadline day, and we spend the entire stretch run talking about the Jets being able to flip that switch on. Maybe when everybody comes back fully 100% healthy, they're going to be able to take it to a St. Louis team. Not what happened. Absolutely not what happened. And then you have the issue with was Dustin Bufflin at 100%, et cetera, et cetera. So for me, until the moment you know that he's at 100%, I'm thinking about Nick Ehlers here because I never know how to project a concussion. Until the moment you know he's good to go, he comes back in, he's that exact same dynamic self that you're used to, I'm operating under the assumption that his first week or two, probably more looking at 75 80% because it's the playoffs and don't want to be there. Now, you know, the Ehlers story will be something that we're going to be following, um, you know, throughout as information is made available. But we've been given the timetable. I mean, we know the Winnipeg Jets are playing the rest of this regular season without Nikolai Ehlers. We'll see when Adam Lowry comes back. What it does give us is a very different look of the lineup uh, tonight. Um, But before we get into the lineup and how things work, I think we've got to talk about Saturday night and the biggest story coming out of the game which was seeing number 55's rear end staple to the bench for the majority of the second period before coming back in the third. And, I mean, to me, Murat, this is one of the most significant cards Coach Paul Maurice has played in years. I mean, I'm try- I-, I was talking with guys on Sunday trying to think back to a significant benching of a star player like happened on Saturday night in that scenario in a game of that importance on national television. And... I really couldn't think of one. I mean, there was a time where Maurice sat Shifley, Wheeler, and Line as a line down together, but that was essentially, you guys all aren't very good. We're going to play the other guys, and you know, you sort of take that together. This was not on anybody else. This was a direct challenge um, or response, I guess, from the coach from what he did not like from Mark Shifley, and you did an amazing job in the athletic kind of, going into detail about the eternal four-on-four shift that ended up with the puck in the other net. Um, let's go back to Saturday night. What did you think about what happened um, and the decision of Coach Paul Maurice to uh, you know, to, to do something we had not seen in a long, long time, although at times I think it probably would have been warranted? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll start by trying to put this into context. I mean, this season has been a step forward to average defensively from Mark Shifley. So as much as, and I'll get into this because it was a a series of poor decisions, in my opinion, to keep him out for that 90-second shift. Mark Shifley was a far below average defensive player last season. You saw it with your eyes. You saw him cheating for offense, playing defense high in Winnipeg zone. There are some wishful back checks, hoping the puck's going to go the other way. There are lots of moments you can point to. I have a file of video on it, uh, especially uh, in a really meaningful game against Tampa Bay down the stretch as well, where Anthony Sorelli ate his lunch. This is not Sean Couturier. This is not Ryan O'Reilly. This is not a two-way superstar in Mark Shifley. However, he is capable And heading into training camp this year, he was talking about all of the right things, playing hard, uh, doing the right things, going back, turning back checks into offense, back pressure into offense. And you know what? He's done a pretty good job of it throughout the season. And for me, that's what makes the benching so significant. The idea that he would pass up two two opportunities to change well after his initial linemate, Blake Wheeler, had changed, well after his initial opposition, Austin Matthews and Mitch Martyr, had changed. Nobody was left on the ice that he started his shift with at 4-on-4 on Saturday. He made some bad decisions, but I, I think one of the reasons why the benching is so significant is this is something Paul Maurice and Mark Shifley 
have been working on. This is something that they have addressed, the idea that shift length is an issue for him. And you heard Paul Maurice praising Blake Wheeler for setting the example earlier this season. There's a reason for that. Mark Scheifele is ninth amongst NHL forwards in terms of average shift length of five on five. That's something they're thinking about. This is something that is important to them that he does that the right way and he places back pressure the right way as well. And at the end of 90 seconds, I agree with the benching. Two opportunities to change. One of them turned into a horrible giveaway while he put Neil Pionk in a bad position inside the blue line. His back check there was wishful, but Kyle Connor bailed him out. Puck ends up on Mark Scheifele's stick again, joins Kyle Connor in that rush. And his stride, I was looking for this on the video, him on that line change, that means that Pierre-Luc Dubois cannot get back into the play. I was looking for his last stride pointed towards the Winnipeg Jets bench. You have to rewind the tape further than that. His last stride is joining the rush inside Toronto's blue line. He pushes towards the net and then curls at the net, around the net, off the ice. Pierre-Luc Dubois gets the minus, never had a prayer at making an, an impact on that play. And it's a whole series of... I'm going to try to put this team on my back. I'm going to make that special play that is just a series of bad decisions. And I think he was full value for the benching. I'm glad that Paul Maurice used that trump card. Yeah, it, it was. It, it's incredibly interesting in that, you know, there's plenty of times where something like this card could have been played before. But again, as a head coach, especially with the star player of Mark Shifley's um, caliber here in Winnipeg, I mean, you can't be doing it all the time. I mean, at a certain point, there's the law of diminishing returns. And I think there's also personalities you're massaging and all that. To me, Murat, what this did with 10 games left, regardless of what had happened in the last few games, I mean, this wasn't all, well, you know, if they'd won the two games going into Saturday night, they'd do that. This is a specific challenge to Shifley um, to be better, to do the things that they've been working on, that they need, that they ask for from every player on the hockey club and I guess the other thing, Murat, is with the timing in it, is that it's a direct challenge to get Mark up to where the team needs him to be. Because, I mean, we can talk about a number of important players, and Connor Hellebuck's at the top of that list, but it's hard to imagine the Winnipeg Jets having any success in the playoffs if they don't have the best version of Mark Shifley in both ends of the hockey rink. Yeah, exactly. And and hopefully that comes out in this criticism as well and in what I write about Mark Shifley as well. This is an all-world offensive talent. This is a, a player with the ability to control the game at both ends when he's on in that way. And for this, you talked about timing when it came to the injuries as well. This is great timing. Not only was it Hockey Night in Canada, primetime, all that sort of stuff, but there's just enough time left in this regular season such that if there's a message being sent to Mark Shifley, which there is, um, and there's a way for him to improve his game, which there is, there's time for him to round into form and to show and demonstrate that he's doing the right things down the stretch as well. Because like you say, he does those things, add that to the offense. Okay, this is a special hockey player that you're talking about. <coughs> excuse me, a leader on the, on the team as well. And as much as I like to think in, in trends and in aggregates and stuff you can really extrapolate from, you know, 200 minutes is a sample size, all that sort of stuff. When you get down to the playoffs, if you spot a team one freebie, like that goal was, or like that stanchion goal was in on Connor Hellebuck as well, one freebie can change a game, which can change a series, right? So there is a level of, 
not perfection, but your best, best version of yourself that I think needs to be there in the playoffs. And when that player is Mark Shifley, you know, you can sink or swim with how well he plays. Well, and Marat, I mean, the other thing is, that, and listen, if to go over, and I sort of alluded to this before, I mean, there are times if you really want to nitpick of a shift that went too long or maybe a bit of a lazy back check or whatever. I mean, there were times over the course of this year, despite the improvement, that if Maurice really wanted to go and make an example or make a statement, he could have done it. But, and I think this goes back to, I mean, there'll be guys that'll have bad shifts. They'll make bad plays or whatever. But if, and, and, and Maurice mentioned it afterwards. I believe on Saturday night he said, oh, sometimes Mark's competitiveness gets the better of him. And I really took that to be, you know, we know how much he likes to measure himself against the likes of Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews. And, you know, to extend those shifts, try to do maybe a little bit too much. And certainly part of that was staying on too long and ended up being a negative for the hockey club. Um, there's sure as hell one way you can let everybody on the team know that you're serious about sticking to this is by doing exactly what Paul Maurice did uh, on uh, on Saturday night. I mean, it's certainly a first and foremost a message to Shifley, but I think we heard it from a number of players, including Connor Hellebach after the game, saying, I mean, it just goes to show, I believe his quote was, no one is safe. I mean, you have to buy in. You have to do what is asked of every player on the team to get out there. And to me, that's, you know, I think the timing was good for it. And I think it's a very important message to, let's just say, reinforce to the members of the Winnipeg Jets at such an important time. Well, absolutely. I'm I'm curious to know what what the takes are around the Internet and the world about what exactly that quote means. I mean, that he's a competitive guy and it got the best of him. I took it the same way that you did. I just thought this was a player who thought the game was on the line. Winnipeg was trailing 2-1, 4-4 as an opportunity, and he wanted to do something special. He was seeing headlines. He was seeing Winnipeg come back into that game. And I didn't even go as far as, well, hey, as a matter of fact, he took that opening face-off against Austin Matthews, one of those players he's trying to prove himself against. Now, when it comes to the thought of sending that message to everybody, what do you think think of this? Like, for me, that's one of those myths. No one player is bigger than the team. That is 100% true. You need that. If you're... For me, I, I get that star players are held to a different standard sometimes. They can, you know, you can be a little more flexible with them. But for me, that means so much. If you're holding Mark Shifley accountable to his performance or his decision making, or you're not doing that, to me, that sends a message down to every last single player. Because you look at players with status and the examples that they set, you want him with his status, with his talent, setting the example that you want everybody to do. For me, that's one of those myth equals reality moments where everything comes together. And I agree with what you said on it. All right, Murat Atech of The Athletic with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily discussing uh, all the stories coming out of the weekend and into tonight's tilt with the Edmonton Oilers. Um, so we heard from both Shifley and Maurice today. We heard from Maurice after the game. We did not hear from Shifley, but he did speak today following the morning skate. So Maurice, Maurice discussed their conversations as necessary, constructive, and over. And Mark Shifley, for his part, said that he didn't agree with it, and he was pissed off about it. And... You know, much like we heard from Connor Hellebuck, who talked about how he didn't agree about getting yanked in game one of the series. Shifley was was honest about it and came forth. And, you know, I, I certainly don't take anything from that. I mean, I think he should be pissed off about it. I mean, this is it wasn't a great moment for him. It's a tough look. I mean, there's a lot of people talking about it. And, you know, to have it happen in an important game 
on Hockey Night in Canada at this point in the season is certainly not what you want. That being said, um, I guess we'll really see the proof of it tonight when he gets back out there and how he plays. But um, you were there today on the call. I mean, what was your uh, what were your thoughts on how both the player and the coach handled the lines of questioning about what happened on Saturday that, of course, everyone was talking about? Well, for me, Mark Shifley says he's pissed off and good. You know, message received if he's pissed off by that, by all means. If he doesn't agree with it, I also, for me, interpret that that's good. Show your fire, show your competitiveness, all those sorts of things. There is an angle that you might look at it and say, well, okay, if he's publicly disagreeing with the coach, does that mean that there's conflict there over this issue? I don't see it. I I see that just as, you know, a player wanting to be there on that big stage. Shively says he disagrees completely with it. He disagrees with the magnitude of the situation. And I think for me, that's a... That's a message that the the message was sent and and received. And maybe Shifley doesn't agree, like he says that he doesn't agree. Maybe it pisses him off. Maybe he, con- he continues to think Mar- that Paul Maurice was wrong about it. But for me, that's exactly why Paul Maurice chooses that time and that magnitude of situation. If it's at the end of a game that Winnipeg is out of, nobody notices. But in the middle of the second period, with the game in reach, with the power play coming up, that's... We notice it. We're talking about it. We're going to talk about it for a while, especially to see what kind of response he has. Mark Scheifele clearly notices. I think that when you talk about this, this is not a move that Paul Maurice goes to often. As a matter of fact, there's a line of thinking that says that in a less obvious way, you should go to this well more often, depending on, on, what, um, on what the goals are. But Paul Maurice is not John Tortorella. He's not carving Mark Scheifele. He says they're personal, they're private, it's done. And I don't know. I, I think I land... I tried to present both sides there, like this idea that maybe there's a conflict there and it's going to last. I don't, I don't think that that's the case. I think it's just the player who's upset. He was willing to say pissed off, which, as we know, is plenty of language from Mark Shifley. And then we see what he does with it. And it doesn't become a long-term thing. Yeah, I mean, Mark Shifley saying he's pissed off is like, you know, a regular hockey player dropping 20 F-bombs in a, in a presser. I mean, that was extreme. That was extreme for Mark. Um now, all that being said, Murat, we've got a game tonight, and you know things are going to look different. We know Adam Lowry's out. Now you also take out Nikolai Ehlers, which complicates things. But focusing on a Shifley for a minute, he is going to be out there, at least from what it looked like from the morning skate, playing in the middle of Cop and Appleton, which is a very interesting, interesting line. Um, it leaves Dubois playing with Connor and Wheeler. And Stastny with Veselainen, who I mentioned earlier, is into the lineup along with Perot, and then the fourth line of Hark, Thompson, uh, and Lewis. When, when I saw this, I was I was very interested. I'm trying to thinking about okay, now what is he thinking about? What are the matchups going to be? Are these going to be the guys that are going to be playing against McDavid? Will it be the Dubois line? Will they mix it up through all three? And it got me thinking to when Patrick Line was struggling. And remember when. Maurice put Line on the line with Lowry, and I believe it was Cop at the time, if I'm not mistaken. And when asked about it, he sort of said he wanted him to get used to playing with those guys, to play that style, to improve himself. I mean, when I look at what Cop and Appleton have done all year, they have been demons on the forecheck. They've been part of a very, very effective shutdown checking line, and have also chipped in offensively as well. Do you see the, the similarities of that move with Line A to Lowry and what they were looking to get out of Line A to 
potentially what Paul Maurice wants to see from Mark Scheifele tonight when they go up against the Edmonton Oilers? I think that that's a great read. And it, we were talking about this just before I came on as well. I think that's a great read. It's not what occurred to me initially. My first read was Appleton and Cop are going to compensate for Shifley's, uh, you know, his pure offense game. And if there are some lapses against the NHL's best, whether it's Dreisaitl or McDavid, I think they're on separate lines tonight. Well, then great. You have those wingers available and that will help. But Paul Maurice has gone to that well before the, you have to play like these guys or take the aspect that these guys do well and build it into your own game as well. It'll be a set, uh, set an example sort of thing from Kopp and Appleton. So I think that there's something there. I think that's worth thinking about in terms of this. It's also clear to me that Shifley's on the second line, and I have never thought that before. My default is to read a Winnipeg Jets lineup, and no matter who writes it, how, if Shifley's on there, I assume he's the first line center. But knowing Paul Maurice as we do, Kyle Connor and Blake Wheeler, your top line right uh, wingers, pardon me. So Pierre Luc Dubois is the uh, the default top center on the Winnipeg Jets today, and I think that sends a message as well because Pierre Luc Dubois, yeah, he has one more year on this RFA contract, but he's under team control. Everything goes well. He's a Winnipeg Jet for a long time. Dubois and Shifley are your top two centers, and if you have somebody like Dubois who you can go to in a moment like this and say, hey, play with the best wingers, play that two-way game. It doesn't have to be Mark. Well, for me, I think that sends a double message of Mark Shifley play with that edge of Kopp and Appleton, but also there's another guy out there who can do that job. Well, and, and you know, it's, it, it's great you brought that up because it's exactly where I was going. I think that, if anything, the possibility to make moves like this um, – is also not coincidental that Dubois had two of his most engaged, effective in many ways uh, performances, um, you know, at the time when things are ramping up against the team that, you know, they're going to have to beat if they want to make it through the North Division playoffs. Um, I think a lot of this is about Shifley and about what happened on the weekend, but I will offer that the play of Pierre-Luc Dubois, I think, is giving Paul Maurice a lot more confidence that he can play in big situations against tough matchups. And to be honest, I think that's what the Jets were hoping for when they traded for him. Yeah, he's rounding out into that form that you might expect from him. I, I always wonder about this. I mean, about the idea... Yes, absolutely. You watch with your eyes. Stretch run hockey is different than first week of the regular season hockey. Playoff hockey is different. Another thing yet. And we had to sort of watch Nick Ehlers, for example, a great gifted player. I'm not going to say figure out how to play in the playoffs because I think he was more effective than anyone seemed to be giving him credit for early on, even when the points weren't going in. But to use his talent to find ways to exploit his own skills as, as best as possible. Pierre-Luc Dubois already has that track record in a short, small sample size of dominating the Toronto Maple Leafs last summer. And that was a big step forward for him at his size. The fact that he can play a power forward role as a center, he can play a straight line speed game, lay the body, win that battle, protect the puck on the wall. It seems to me it's a tailor-made game for the playoffs. And whether it's a factor of him needing time to ramp up because of quarantine, because of his injury, because he's adapting to a new team, or the fact that the style of play is beginning to favor a guy of his size and strength, it seems to me that Paul Maurice is right to point to him as a strength right now. And if this is what we're getting, and it's just it's going to build from here because he's a young guy getting used to a new team, well then, hey, we might see a new most effective center down the, down the stretch and in the playoffs from Winnipeg. Uh, Marat, one of the other interesting looks from this morning was a couple of new power play variations. And a big part of that is Nikolai Ehlers being out. 
Um, but we have seen, well, I'll ask you this. So we've got Shifley with Appleton, Wheeler, Stastny, and Pionk. And then the other group, Connor, Dubois, Perot, Morrissey, and Andrew Kopp. Um, what, what were the more significant changes for you? I mean, you know someone's going in because Ehlers isn't there. What I found interesting is that we're seeing Neil Pionk on with the guys that are traditionally on that PP1 unit, specifically Stastny, Wheeler, and 55. Yeah, it's, it's so funny how injuries seem to be a motivator for some of the things that fans can sometimes be clamoring for all year long because Neil Pionk has been Winnipeg's most effective defenseman on the power play this year. I don't think that there's a question of that. Now, I know that the Jets liked having a left shot Josh Morrissey on the top unit prior to this, um, but with uh, a little bit of the shifting that we're seeing happen, Neil Pionk gets that opportunity. The So I think that we're going to see a new look and a new structure from them as well. I mean, handedness matters, especially when you're playing from the relative standstill of a power play and you have a little bit more control over the routes that the puck takes. So that's going to be an interesting one just to see how they play in that group. And then the other thing for me is that Kyle Connor, your your most dangerous available shooter now, unless it's Mark Shifley, depending on your perspective or where that shot's coming from, is now not necessarily going to get those prime minutes as well. So I mean, power play one, power play two, does the debate still linger on? I'm not sure. I think the thing I'll be looking for most is not whose name is on the board necessarily, uh, so much as how these new handedness setup groups operate and where they move the puck and why. Murat, coming out of the game on Saturday, what is the better rivalry? Ehlers versus Thornton or <laughs> Hellebuck versus the Stanchions? Oh my goodness! Well, the <laughs> it's see. lopsided, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> it's very lopsided in cha- uh, between Hellebuck and the Stanchions. I, I can't. I think that's four times this year that that's happened. I mean, it doesn't seem possible. And listen, I have to admit that is somewhat bad luck. I know people get all crazy for him because this, you know, the strength of his game is not playing the puck. But I mean, that's a routine play that happens num- a number of times every game. Um, but man, it's come at some very inopportune times for the Winnipeg Jets, maybe no more so than Saturday night. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, a minute ago, I was talking about giving teams freebies. You do that once in the playoffs, it changes the game, it changes the series, just like we were talking about with that four-on-four goal. I don't know what to think. First of all, the first thing that comes to my mind is that the best thing I saw on the internet all week was somebody putting Joe Thornton to the Grandpa Simpson. Oh, you know, was the that good? <laughs> that was my favorite thing that I've seen. I just couldn't help but cackle. Couldn't I help but. laughed so hard. <laughs> um, and it's, I think the stanchion and Nick Ehlers might have said the same amount of words in, in response to that, you know, when, when <laughs> Thornton's uh, barking away. So, I, man, I, I don't know. I, by default, think that a play like that, that's, that's bullshit luck. It happens. You, you suck it up. You deal with it. Um, and the fact that it's happened a few extra times to Connor Hellebuck, well, it's one of those things you got to zoom out and try to stay calm about, despite how awful and ugly that it looks. Um, at the same time, there's got to be a way to start really digging deep and evaluating, well, okay, the, the ideal play there is goaltender leaves the net, stops the puck, you know, sets up the breakout, leaves it for somebody, makes it easier. Can we quantify how much that genuinely helps. Because not only is that a case in, in Connor Hellebuck's life, he's not the world's best puck handler, but certainly he stops a puck every now and again and, and sets up sets up things. Teams clearly prefer to play that way. It, it reminds me, this popped into my head, I don't know if this is a non sequitur, but it 
the, the is Martin Brodeur one of the best goaltenders to ever play argument? People always cite the well, he played the puck. I'm like, how many goals does that create for him? How many does it shut down? We don't know the number to that, I don't think. And so is there value to Connor Hellebuck leaving the net and making that play, knowing that most of the time the bullshit luck isn't going to happen? Or do we have to accept the world in which can we make a case for for it mathematically that, hey, what he creates by playing the puck well isn't worth any of this grief that they go through every time that something like this happens? I don't know the answer. Hey, by the way, we've got almost 400 people in here. It's great to have everyone here. Do us a favor. Hit that like button. It's the thumbs up. You might have to close the chat to do it, but we really appreciate you doing that. And if you haven't already, hit that red subscribe button. Make sure you do that so you can uh, hang out with us every day at 1 p.m. when we go live. Um, Let's bring it to tonight, Murat. Um, We know where the club is right now. I think, you know, any hopes of first place probably were pretty much extinguished on Saturday night with the regulation loss. What are you looking for from the Winnipeg Jets tonight? And how important are these two games against Edmonton, considering the lack of success they've had against the Oilers in the last four times they've gone uh, against them? Yeah, I think Winnipeg needs to find a way to beat the Edmonton Oilers. And I don't necessarily know that that means hyper-focusing on, on uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl, as we so often do, and how are you going to handle them? What are the matchups going to be? I think the biggest thing that I found missing from Winnipeg's game against Edmonton the last time around, and Edmonton clearly seems to have the Jets' number, is Winnipeg's offense. You know, there's a transition style of offense, and on the off-the-rush, on-the-fly style of offense, Winnipeg has had a ton of success with this season. Paul Maurice has been talking about lately how that disappears at this time of year, that they need to grind it out a little bit more, that any team that relies on rush offense is going to suffer as teams tighten up, as the back pressure is always there, as that F3 is always picked up. Um, And I think that there's some truth to that. At the same time, I thought Edmonton did an exceptional job of just collapsing five guys to the middle of the ice, shutting down what Winnipeg likes in terms of that transition. And the Jets have struggled on Offense, when it comes to in-zone, set up, generate chances from the middle, come off the wall, beat players one-on-one, create little mismatches, those sorts of offensive plays this season. And if that's exactly what they're going to go up against, I don't know if it matters if Connor Connor McDavid scores a goal or not. I mean, Winnipeg needs to generate. They can't win 0-0 or 1-0 as well. So they need to solve that. And that's what I'm looking for this week. You know what? I I think one of the most interesting things that will happen all night uh, will be on the opening face-off. Now, it, we understand that um, Dreisaitl and McDavid are on separate lines right now. Dreisaitl is back with Nuge and Yamamoto, um, Cahoon and Puyarvi, uh, along with Connor McDavid. But let's just assume that McDavid's the number one problem and the number one focus of the Winnipeg Jets when it comes to shutting down the Edmonton Oilers. Dave Tippett signs his lineup card. Here you go, Paul. 97, there at center. You're starting off against that line. Who Who's first over the bench for the Winnipeg Jets? Is it Shifley along with Kopp and Appleton? Here's your challenge, guys. Go for it. Or is it Pierre-Luc Dubois with Blake Wheeler and Kyle Connor? Um, what would at least we would perceive as the quote-unquote top line going into tonight's game with the current roster? You know, interestingly enough, in terms of 100% responsibility all over the ice, I would default to Paul Stastny. I don't think that that's what's going to happen with Christian Veselainen presumed to be lining up on his wing. So that's that's not the answer, but he's who I think of in this situation, especially if you have Matthew Perot available. Because for me, I don't think you're going to beat McDavid in terms of in-zone defense. I don't think that um, that 
daring him to beat you and then having the best defensive player is necessarily how it's going to work. If Winnipeg had the option to simply spend as much time on the other end of the ice as possible, I think that's how you get the best out of that matchup. Don't know if I'm right, but that's how I see it. So for me, now I look to, okay, which one of those lines is going to be able to do it? And honestly, I go to Mark Shifley with Kopp and Appleton as his wingers, not necessarily because Shifley is that two-way stalwart, but because I think he has a fire under his ass tonight because he has Winnipeg's best defensive winger on his line and because Mason Appleton has shown moments of, of being able to really control where the where the game gets played as well. Um, I know that Wheeler and Connor are Winnipeg's you know best wingers in this sort of situation, but I'm not rating their impact in terms of playing in the zone so dominantly that that's your answer against McDavid. So I say, Shifley, there's a fire under your ass. You've got that pressure that Paul Maurice has put on you. I, I think that he would be who I give the opportunity to show he can do what Winnipeg needs him to do. One thing, assuming these lines stay together, um, you know, with Tippett having split up Dreisaitl and McDavid, um, it, it, regardless, I mean, when that line comes out, they're going to be going up against a, a, a pretty high-powered line um, and an elite center, regardless on either side. So the challenge is going to be there. How Maurice rolls the lines, I think, will be something we'll pay attention to quickly, but I'm not sure it really matters, to be honest. What Maurice is wanting to get out of Shifley in that pairing, along with Cop and Appleton, um, they'll have plenty of opportunity, I guess is what I'm saying tonight, considering the opposition. Yeah, he could roll him. He could say that, you know, I don't give a, 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 a heck... Why did why is that the word? The kid? I don't I don't give a crap about what the matchups actually are. You know, there's a good center on every line. We're going to roll them, and Shifley's still going to spend an inordinate amount of time against McDavid and Drysaddle if that's how it goes. So whatever matchup that you look at, there's no way around it. I mean, those guys play half the game, um, maybe more than that between the two of them on different lines. So there's going to be plenty of opportunity for everybody involved to show that they can or can't play the game they need to. Um. I know you've been paying attention to what's going on with the Manitoba Moose. And by the way, we should give Eric Comrie a big congratulations. One of the two great guys in sports set the Moose all-time wins record in net on the weekend. Um, but my God, Cole, uh, Cole Perfetti is absolutely on fire right now. We could not finish having this conversation about all things going on with the Jets without mentioning Perfetti. Um, four goals, seven assists in the last five games. I never thought for a second, and I'm still not thinking that he really would be a possibility, but I will say if a guy like Nikolai Ehlers was going to be out long-term and you have a young man putting up points the way he is right now in the American Hockey League, I have a feeling they might give it a, give it a thought, um, you know, if they were put in that situation, Murat. What do you think? Man, that's fascinating. That is fascinating because I, I look at, you know, Christian Veselainen getting his first opportunity in a while. You look at Jansen Hargens not getting a whole lot um, of minutes or opportunity either. But so the idea that Cole Perfetti would pass them and get, you know, into a game or two for a coach that, you know, for really does prefer to play the veterans is it would be a shock to me. I would look at that as a surprise and I would look at the, I, I cheer for the storyline because it would be the most interesting thing available, but I'm not sure that I necessarily expect it. On the other hand, you just laid it out 11 points in five games. He's 19 years old. He turned it on January 1st. When you look at guys like this, my rule of thumb um, acquired years ago from somebody's study of AHL data if a guy can hit roughly a point per game in the AHL 
at 20 years old, you're looking at a top six forward in the future. That's not hard or fast. That's not a guarantee. You have Cole Perfetti doing two points per game over this stretch at 19 years old. Yes, we have that player in our future. Obviously, he's not going to score two points a game for the entirety of the season, but he has arrived. This is not straight power play offense. There's five on five offense here as well. The game is being, he's processing the game at a, at a rate where he can deliver the offense sort of no matter what he's looking at. He can slow the game down the way that he likes to. This is a great sign. I mean, if you want to reward him with that game or two, that NHL salary, great. Uh, you know what? Now I just want to see it. That's it. I, I, <laughs> I think Paul Maurice is a veteran's coach, but I want to see it because um, just think of the gifts. Us. Well, I, I really think that there's a bunch of things that would have to happen, and most of those things would not be good overall for the Winnipeg Jets, like we heard this morning with Nikolai Ehlers <laughs> being out of yeah. the lineup. But uh, I will say this. It's been a while since we've had a young guy come in and perform the way Perfetti has in the American Hockey League. I mean, this is not like OHL numbers. This is this guy's getting used to playing pro hockey and doing it against good competition and doing it against men, which is always the key word when uh, we're talking about these young players and moving up. And it certainly is uh, it certainly is fascinating. Well, no shortage of topics today to get to with you, my friend. Uh, you know, we went a little long, so I, you know, everyone wants to maybe get a nice bass solo out of you before you leave. But we'll we'll do that on another we'll do that on another show at some point. Um, but I got to tell you, the piece if you have not read this already, folks, and listen, if you haven't already subscribed to the Athletic, uh, what are you waiting for? Um, the piece on Shifley was fair. It was detailed, and I thought you did a great job, particularly of breaking down what was the breaking point for Coach Paul Maurice, which led to. You know, one of the bigger stories we're going to have around this hockey club in a long time. And it certainly sets up a fascinating scenario for an 8 o'clock puck drop tonight in, against the Oilers. Well, thanks for the kind words. Uh, pleasure as always. And yeah, I cannot wait to see how they bounce back from this. Let's do this again soon, buddy. Thanks so much for your time. We re- really appreciate it. And as always, the people in uh, the chat and listening on the podcast later appreciate you doing it as well. Beauty. Thanks, Hus. Thanks, Rimo. Great stuff. There is Marat Atesh of The Athletic. Um, just a great conversation. I could have gone an hour or two with Murat, but uh, it's game day. He's got a lot of stuff to do. We appreciate him joining us as always. Um, and certainly great comments in the chat from uh, Murat's appearance. It's a Murat Monday, if you will, here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. All right. Um, you know, game night tonight. Why not get that great game day deal from Boston Pizza, the spicy pierogi pizza, the meteor pizza, 24 case of wings, or... I might suggest you call your shot with Boston Pizza and Molson. Try those pizza pairs, any pizza pair, or, uh, sorry, pizza flights. There's actually not a pair because there's three pizzas, three dips. Um, and you'll also get a chance to call your shot, win an instant Boston Pizza gift card, a custom-made outdoor rink for next year in the backyard, or even a VIP NHL experience. Uh, that's dine-in, takeout, or delivery at all Boston Pizzas with the Pizza Flights or any Molson product. And a shout-out to Big Nick and Nikki over at the Nick and Nikki DQs, Niverville, Polo Park, DQ Northgate, and DQ St. Anne's. As I mentioned, uh, a new promo from Nick and Nikki at all four stores, two for $5 treat nights after 8 p.m., two medium cones, dip cones, or two medium Sundays. It's seven days a week after 8 p.m., and again, if you've uh, got a big birthday or a celebration coming up, I know you can't have a lot of people over, but you can make it that much more special with a DQ cake. 
Give them a follow. And by the way, they've put all the accounts of the four stores together into one at DQ Manitoba. Hit them up on Instagram, and I think they'll even take a cake order right through the gram. All right, let's get Remus back in here. Lots to unpack after our conversation with Murata Tesh going into this game tonight against the Edmonton Oilers. I know you've been paying close attention to the chat. We've got a ton of people in here today, Reem. Uh, fill me in on what the people have been saying as we spoke with Murat, other than wanting him to drop a nasty bass solo. Yeah, and now we're wondering, I mean, Murat's face after you brought up the bass solo, uh, he was like, what? And some people were speculating if it's uh, a prop and whether or not he can actually play. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I have no idea. I have no idea, but it is a good prop. I know Gary was tweeting out, Murat's got the full hipster look, look toque, beard, guitar. So, but uh, a few of the comments in chat, uh, we were just talking about Cole Perfetti. A lot of people seem to think uh, Maurice would, uh, you know, because of his preference for veterans, he would probably play Perfetti, uh, start him on the fourth line, maybe get him up to the first line in a, in a couple of years. That was uh, a lot of people going there. But, <laughs> I mean, if you're scoring that at the AHL and the Moose are playing right now um, 0-0, you know, you maybe wonder if they do give him a game at the end of the year, depending on what the team situation is, or a game towards the end, you know, to you know, say, hey, you know, you've had an awesome season. We know you're, you know, your young player. This is your first pro season, but you've earned this. Like you're tearing it up here at the AHL. I mean, put him in. Let's see what he can do. Yeah, listen. I, I mean, healthy. I mean, if Adam Lowry's good to go and Nikolai Ehlers is good to go, I mean, I there's, I don't think there's a spot right now for Colt Perfetti. As much as we'd love to see what he could do. But I have to admit, I got thinking about it this morning. When you take a player like Ehlers and what he does for the Winnipeg Jets and the offense he provides to the club out of the lineup. Um, and listen, Veselina is going to have a huge opportunity tonight to come in and show that, you know, he was a first rounder for a reason um, and make the most of playing not on the fourth line, but with a couple really talented players and Paul Stastny and Matthew Perot. Um, but I can't help but think that if it did come down to it in an important game or a playoff game where Nikolai Ehlers was not available and, you know, they're really concerned about that offense, that maybe, just maybe, that's a chance for Perfetti to come in and, you know, kind of go sink or swim. Um, Because you're right, we have seen in the past younger players come in and, you know, get five or six minutes on the fourth line. Even putting Cole Perfetti with Trevor Lewis and Nate Thompson is not going to it's not going to be the answer, I think, for the player or the team. And again, I'm not suggesting that I'm expecting this anytime soon. It's just that for the first time all season long, we're dealing with some pretty significant injuries to the Winnipeg Jets. And as I said, they're hopeful that Nikolai Ehlers is back for the playoffs. You just wonder what this lineup would look without Ehlers and considering how incredibly hot Perfetti has been at the American Hockey League level if all of a sudden he's sort of barged into the conversation for a call-up and potentially playing time, if need be, if a player like Ehlers is out going into the postseason. Yeah, I, I, you know, one thing they like to do is they like to replace, you know, when a guy comes out with injury, they'll replace him with a similar player. So I think if Morrissey were out, you know, maybe they would bring in a Hanela. They are kind of kind of similar in that way. So if Ehlers is out and, you know, it's down the road and you need some offense, maybe put Perfetti in spot. I mean, they're both, uh, you know, smaller guys who have speed. We have all seen the highlight last week of him, you know, skating the length of the ice and, uh, you know, going across the crease for, for a goal. I mean, it's incredible to watch. The Moose are 200 playing... 200-foot player. Yeah, t- exactly. 200. That's a new meaning of 200-foot player. <laughs> uh, the Moose are playing right now, though, Hus. Um, it's tied 0-0. So uh, we are kind of keeping an eye on, on that. 
Um, they're playing who? They're playing Stockton. Stockton Heat. So uh, I don't know where he's good. You know, he's been scoring goals. He's been putting up points. So uh, that's this is the first time in a while we've had like a big major uh, scoring prospect on the Moose. Um, I guess Rosovic and Connor would probably be the last ones. Yeah, I mean, no, the, the, this team has not been synonymous with offense over the last couple seasons since those guys graduated. And, you know, part of it is the, you know, just the, the ebbs and flows of the AHL when you have top prospects playing there, when you have them up with a big club. You know, when you've traded away your first pick, you might not have that, you know, elite talent coming in for a year or two. All of that has been part of the Jets' history for the last five years or so. Um, as I mentioned with Marat, um, what a great day for Eric Comrie on the weekend. And, you know, we've talked to him a number of times back on Pembina Highway, and we'll look to have him on the program some uh, sometime soon. He did jump on with Kenny and Rennie after the Saturday night game to talk about it a little bit. Um, but, man, a guy that – this guy really has made, um, you know, a home here, if you will. And I know he's a California kid, although originally Canadian. Um but man, he's been such a good fit here in Manitoba, and you see Remus the the crazy path that he's taken, being claimed on waivers, bouncing around a few teams, and then finally coming back here. And you know, listen, it really sucks that you know a milestone like that for the Manitoba Moose wasn't done in front of eighty eight hundred at Bell MTS Place in a well attended game that really got to celebrate Eric Comrie's contributions. But um, certainly well deserved, even if the game was played at the Iceplex in front of no fans. A win's a win, and he's got more than anyone in Moose history. Yeah, passing Corey Schneider, who is a Moose legend uh, himself, and Eric. You know, we, he's always been great to talk to. Always very open about what's going on. Uh, we know he loves. Uh, you know, when I'll never forget when he was in studio and you brought up fantasy football with him. His eyes, <laughs> his eyes lit up. He got so excited uh, talking about. I don't think they have a big league, like keeper league or something. He got very excited talking about that. So he's always been so nice and so gracious with his time. He's one of us. He's yeah. one of us, Reem. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I know. <laughs> so uh, you know, I'm happy for him. Moose uh, goal, and he's had. I mean, it's funny. He's had like a number of different stints with the Moose. Uh, you know, we said you know being waived and then claimed and then picked up again by the Moose. I mean, happened this year, but it also happened. You know, in previous seasons as well. So, uh, you know, good for him. He's a great guy. And uh, there he is, Manitoba Moose, uh, all-time what, leading wins goalie. Hey, let me hit you with a couple of the – and you know what? In the chat as well, um, I would love to hear um, what you guys think about the question that I asked Murata Tesh. So, Connor McDavid's starting at center with his line from Dave Tippett. Who's Maurice putting out there first? Is it going to be Shifley going head-to-head with McDavid along with Kopp and Appleton? Or is it, Paul, is it the Pierre-Luc Dubois line with Connor and Blake Wheeler? Or is it potentially Paul Stastny with Veselainen and Matthew Perot? I don't think the latter would be the case, just considering it's Veselainen's first game. But, uh, I mean, to me, Ryan, this is the, I mean, I'm going to be sitting there waiting to see mm. what the lineup card says, because I think it's an amazing challenge for Mark Shifley, considering what happened on Saturday. And I certainly do think that playing with the likes of Appleton and Cop can only help him when it comes to, you know, that tenacity that I think Paul Maurice is looking for and, you know, that commitment in both ends that you absolutely need to have if you're going up against Connor McDavid. I, don't, I was going to say, a lot of people in chat are saying um, Dubois line, Dubois, Connor, Wheeler, but I don't know. I think I got to go... Uh, Shifley line. I think Shifley loves that competition uh, against Connor McDavid. I know it hasn't worked in the past at times, but 
He's now with, you know, two pretty responsible wingers, and those guys are, you know, traditionally on this team, they've been the checking line. So I think you go there. But then that leads you to think, okay, do they end up going, you know, switching up and keep going back to Connor Shafley-Wheeler and then going to Dubois, Appleton, Lowry? I mean, if you really want to make a shutdown line, wouldn't you do that? So I don't think, you know, these are new lines. Maybe we'll go back to Old faith, old Faithful in uh, Connor Shafley-Wheeler, but I think I would start off with the Shafley right now. Um, you know, show Shafley that you trust him. And, I don't know uh, if we're good. I don't know if we're going back to old faithful anytime soon. You think I mean, it's done? Consider, well, what? Well, listen, never say never. Yeah. I mean, like you know, this could be a freezing cold take by the second period. Who knows? <laughs> but I just think that you know, with the way that things went on Saturday, with the results of these last couple games, um, and with the moves that he has made today, especially with Ehlers not being in the lineup. I think this does sort of indicate that, well, first of all, it it definitely indicates that there's a lot more confidence in Pierre-Luc Dubois to his game and where it is right now, especially for what's going to be needed going up against these top teams. And, you know, that is what he needs to get out of Mark Shifley. And I think he's certainly going to get a boost, you know, in in that respect, playing with Kopp and Appleton. Um, I think it'll be less about getting the points, uh, and less about offense, more about playing a good, strong 200-foot game and eliminating those chances. Um, and I'll tell you what, I think it could be a great thing for Mark Schleifle if they can go out, if he can have some success playing with those guys over the next couple games. And it doesn't even need to be, you know, a couple goals or a big point output. Um, I'll tell you what, I think it's a win for the Winnipeg Jets if, if those guys in that matchup, you know, can skate evenly at five on five with Connor McDavid or potentially the dry side of line who, you know, certainly packs a punch along with the Nuge and uh, Yamamoto. Yeah, and I was looking at some of their, you know, the Oilers' depth lines, and I think that's, you know, where you'd like to see the Jets take advantage of the Oilers. I mean, we've been saying this for a while. I mean, look at who's on their their bottom six, and even with this injury-depleted Jets team, I mean, I'm going to take Paul Stasny as your third-line center over whoever uh, Edmonton decides to throw out there. So, um, you know, you want to see Christian Veselainen get a chance to, you know, produce some offense. Matthew Perot's done great in his limited time. Um, so, you know, maybe that line uh, steps up and does be, you know, is another uh, solid contributor, as we've seen from the third lines of the past. We do have the Oilers lines scrolling at the bottom of the screen right now. So. Yeah, Shore, McLeod, and Archibald, and Neil Haas yeah. and Chasen aren't really scaring anybody, I don't think. Yeah, and those... that speaks to, you know, the, the Achilles heel of the Oilers, of course, is the just the fact that they are so top-heavy and so much relies on the shoulders of those top players. Speaking of the Oilers, though, we are going to see an old familiar face tonight, Reem. Guess who's back? Dmitry Kulikov. He's going to be on the Oiler blue line tonight. It'll be interesting to see where he fits in. Yeah, his first game with them paired with uh, Mr. One for One, Adam Larson. And we'll see. I mean, Kulikov, he was he was a solid guy. It took you a while to get that one. Uh, Kulikov, he's been a solid player this year for New Jersey. Uh, he was fourth-round pick at the deadline. Um, he probably knows the Jets uh, pretty well. So... You know, maybe if when he's healthy, he's been he's been all right. So, you know, we'll see how the, how that goes. Uh, maybe the Jets, you know, know how to exploit him. I I don't know, but uh, the Oilers kind of shore up their uh, defense by uh, getting Kulikov. 
<laughs> Eric, Eric, you're uh, I hope Kulikov sends us some free pizzas tonight. Maybe a spicy pierogi. Well, <laughs> listen, whatever flavor they want to serve up, I'm sure the Jets would be more than willing to uh, to eat a few free pizzas if they're so uh, if they're on the menu from the Edmonton Oilers tonight. Um, of course, Connor Hellebuck's back in net. One thing about Helly Reem that you know there was so much talk about Hellebuck going into Saturday night's game. All of that sort of got erased when you know Shifley was benched in the second period, and we know what happened. I'll say one thing about Hellebuck's game, though. Um, you know, there was some real bad luck on that second goal. Um, you know, the first one, a little unfortunate with the, you know, the missed push off and Thornton got enough to get that wrap around uh, around. But I will say we did see some vintage Hellebuck in that second and third period, keeping the Jets in the game, especially in the second when the Leafs were pretty much all over the home team. You think the um, Bell MTS place arena workers are like, being extra, you know, taking some extra close looks at the glass for tonight, maybe bringing out the <laughs> magnifying glass. I don't want to throw anyone under the bus. I mean, it's not all, you know, the other ones have been in Montreal. But uh, for it to happen to Hellbuck, you're like, again? Like, is this, is it even possible for him to get, <laughs> I know it's a, it's a verb or an, ad, yeah, it's a verb stanchioned. I wrote that in a tweet. <laughs> Hellbuck on getting, getting stanchioned. So, <laughs> when you know when he can see the pocket, it's coming at him. It's great, but it seems like the only uh, uh, surefire way to beat him is try to ring around the boards and hope for that bounce. So I don't know if Oilers are going to be testing out the glass in practice or what. We know he's good. I mean, I haven't I haven't wavered on on what I think about him, but uh, a couple tough ones here for the Jets. And I mean, I don't I don't know how the guy keeps getting stanchioned uh, over and over again here. It's it's crazy. It's bad. It's bad when it happens on the road. It's brutal when it happens at home. And, um, yeah, the timing of that play could not have been worse. Uh, well, no, actually, it could have been worse. It could have happened in the playoffs and not <laughs> 10 games left in the regular season when the team's pretty much got a spot all looked up. Um, okay, we've got to get to a few things. I know we basically talked Jets for the first hour and 10 minutes, which is not surprising considering everything that's happened around. But there was a few things that I wanted to get to. Um you know, we mentioned the Moose, yeah. five wins in a row. They're playing right now, 0-0. Perfetti scores will hit the goal horn before the oh, end of the Oh, I got the – I, I, I don't think it connects to AHL, but I'll oh. check, I'll check <laughs> well, we'll do it. We'll do a manual. We'll do a manual um, if uh, if we want to put that but up. That would be crazy if I could do it. <laughs> um, and congratulations to the Brandon Wheat Kings, who look like they're going to finish on top of the East Division in the Western Hockey League's 24-game bubble. Two games left for the Winnipeg Ice this afternoon, an early game, a later game tomorrow, and we will check in with the Ice. Hoping to have Coach Patrick talk about the season overall at some point this week. And again, we'll check up with Jake Heisinger. And of course, these will be Peyton Krebs' last two games with the Winnipeg Ice before, uh, I would imagine, he'll presumably go to Vegas or Henderson, Nevada afterwards, but we'll find out on that going forward. Yeah. Hey, but, speaking, speaking of Henderson, did you see uh, former Moose goalie uh, Fred Brathwaite? Strap it for yes, Freddie. And he was another Jets note. He was wearing his old Atlanta Thrashers mask. So forty-eight years old. Uh, give a shout out to he's a legend, Fred Brathwaite. He's working with Hockey Canada before now with the uh, goalie coach Freddie. You know, I was working at the Moose when Freddie was playing for the Moose, and what a treat he was to be around. I mean, honest to God, one of the just truly great dudes, loved by everyone. And um, yeah, he's had you know a really interesting career once he got into coaching, and um, ah, it was cool to see him put the pads back on just in case on the weekend out there for the Henderson Silver uh, Henderson yeah. Silver Knights. And was- speaking of. 
So sorry, there was also another guy who almost strapped on the pads on the weekend, Artem Anisimov. I sent you that picture. So Anisimov, I guess Matt Murray got hurt on the game on Saturday. They said he would not return. So the backup Hogarth goes in. They didn't have the emergency goalie. So who puts the pads on? Anisimov. And uh, there was a great piece by the Sens of him in the full goalie equipment doing some of the moves. Sort of kind of reminded me of when you, if you go in and ball hockey and you're just sort of, okay, what do I do here? Just sort of feeling out the equipment <laughs> a little bit. But uh, anyways, good for the Sens that they didn't have to go to Anisimov in net. Although considering what they're playing for right now, that actually would have been a hilarious moment that I think everyone would have been here for. Yeah, and we talked a lot uh, about Shohei Otani this year in baseball. I mean, he's a pitcher. He's hitting bombs. Like, will we ever see a two-way player in hockey, like a goalie who could go out? How crazy would that be? Or <laughs> Well, you know what? All goalies, I heard Mike Vernon uh, speaking the other day. Goalies want to play out so bad. They want to play out so bad. Like the minute their careers are over and they get asked for pickup games, they're like, yeah, I'm in, but I'm not playing in net. Yeah. I mean, I'm done. Done playing goal. You guys can use the pads if you want. We'll put somebody else in net. I'm not doing it anymore. So Vernon actually said that in practice, he would often put on out skates and go in and shoot on the other goalies in practice or in morning skates sometimes. So anyways, it was, uh, that was a funny little, uh, funny little aside. Hey, speaking of the flames, well, first off, I got to do our golf report for Breezy Bend. Course is back open, waiting list for next year. Find out more at breezybend.c, Winnipeg's premier private course. Um, when we talk golf, we always shout out Breezy here on this program and a couple wild things coming out of the weekend. Um, Maybe the, uh, listen, the Zurich Classic is always interesting. Wild finish with Louis Oosthuizen putting in the drink on 18. And the Aussies, Team Mullet, Mark Leishman, and Cam Smith getting the win. But the big story, and Remus brought up Henderson. It wasn't the Henderson Silver Knights. It was Brooke, the queen of Canadian golf. Brooke Henderson getting another win on the LPGA Tour. She now has 10 titles in her career. She's the winningest Canadian golfer of all time and uh, one of the easiest people to cheer for, regardless of sex, regardless of sport. She's just an absolute treat and I think makes every Canadian golf fan proud that she is representing the red and white. So congratulations to Brooke Henderson and the guys in the PGA Tour. We've got the Valspar coming up. He'll hit that coming up. Reed Fowler is going to be with us on Wednesday. We'll pick Reed's brain a little bit on the golf and focus in on the uh, upcoming NFL draft, which gets going on Thursday as well. Thanks again to Breezy Bend. Look him up at breezybend.ca. Um, all right, we should get to the cool bet lines. And Remus, there it. Oh, do we have a goal? Uh, the, here, let me fire this thing off. The Moose just scored us. Uh, Nathan Todd. Okay. Uh, power play goal. His ninth of the season. Beautiful. Let's make it six in a row for the Moose. Uh, And again, we were going to do it on a Perfetti goal, but I think the fact that we've got live hockey going on during the program, if the home team scores, they're getting getting the red light and the horn. So, well done, Nathan Todd. (laughs) Go, Moose, go. This thing's the best. Yeah, one nothing Uh, in the second period. (laughs) It really is. All right. Uh, Let's get to the lines for Cool Bet today. Pretty, I had a good weekend. Uh, some of my lock shot picks weren't too good. Big win, though, in the middle of Saturday night on the it, Hiroshima Toyo Carp on the uh, Japanese League. Uh, that was a big win on the weekend. Missed out on the disc golf. Um, yeah. But, man, had some good success in baseball. We'll talk about the baseball in a minute. But the lines tonight, yeah. 
Uh, listen, <laughs> Oilers-Jets is a big game. Jets a very slight home favorite, minus 111. Edmonton is minus 105. But Remus, the other game that I'm most interested in, and to be honest, it'll be perfect, can watch this one heading into Winnipeg and Edmonton, is this game between the Montreal Canadiens and the Calgary Flames. Now, I was on 960 doing the show with the guys last Thursday, and it was coming out of that, another embarrassing loss against the Ottawa Senators where they weren't very good. And that was coming off a regulation loss against the Montreal Canadiens. And it really looked like the Flames had absolutely let it all slip away. But back-to-back regulation wins against the Habs on Friday and Saturday have put them in a situation today, Reem, where the Flames are only four points back of the Habs. The Habs have one game in hand on Calgary, but with a win tonight in regulation, they would move to just two points back. And um, as I said to Pat Steinberg, I said, just you wait. They win this game. Your entire timeline is going to be Flames fans just dropping the Undertaker gif because... If they do pull this off tonight, all of a sudden the race is on for that final playoff spot and the Montreal Canadiens are going to be feeling the heat from behind. Yeah, they've played uh, one more game, the Flames, than Montreal, but, uh, you know, what, four points back and they were playing tonight. Seems like, you know, Montreal hasn't figured out how to play the Flames. That's one of the few teams uh, they can beat. They can't beat Ottawa, uh, us, but uh, when Flames and Montreal, they seem to have the advantage, so... We'll see how it, how it goes for them. You know, we've been counting the Flames out for uh, for a bit, but maybe we spoke too soon. So the Undertaker gif, it could be uh, coming out. 5.30 start, weird start time. I don't know why that is. I guess that's 4.30 in Calgary. I don't know I don't know who's setting these game times. Someone's asking, well, why are the Jets at an 8 p.m. start? There's no fans. You can put the games on whenever you want. So that, Well, I, I guess seeing... it's probably TV. It probably has something well, some, to do it's something with Sportsnet. TV. You know, like they're going to put the games on either side, or they moved up the Calgary game earlier so they could broadcast both games. That's all I can Because aren't they on the same channel? Right. Yeah. It's not about the fans. They might be on the same channel, right? The Like, are they both on Sportsnet West? The yeah. The Edmonton-Calgary? Yeah. Maybe it's something to yeah. do with that. And they're yeah, just like, we I want think- them here. And they're like, yeah, sure, we can do do uh, whatever. So, yeah, 7 p.m. start in Edmonton are saying, and this game's a, f- what, 4.30 start in Calgary. Uh, yeah, now, um, the Canucks not out of it either. I mean, you know, per points percentage, they're actually ahead of Calgary right now. Problem with Vancouver is they've got five games in hand, but they're eight points back, and they've got to win those games. So uh, they'll look to do that tonight. They are minus 120 favorites at the Ottawa Senators, it's the series shifts over to the nation's capital. Sends a home favorite at plus 103. Other games tonight, Colorado at St. Louis. The Avs minus 164 favorites. Blues at plus 138. And um, Florida and Nashville, it's a big game for Nashville. Florida minus 128 mm-hmm. at Nashville plus 108. So there are your cool bet daily lines. Check out the uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk Twitter feed at Sports Talk WPG. We got a link there for a bonus code if you want to play with us on Cool Bet Ream. So uh, Perfetti and Hanela with the assist on that Manitoba Moose goal by oh, yeah. Todd on the power play. The future, play. the future is bright. Yeah, you know you talk about your Cool Bet uh, picks. I mean, you didn't have uh, Anthony Hopkins winning Best Actor at the end of the Oscars last night. You didn't have any big dude, Oscar. D- dude, what was I he paying? Do you know? Uh, uh, he was paying well over ten to one. Wow! Uh, Chadwick Boseman was yeah. minus two thousand. Oh my god! Minus two thousand. So you'd have to bet two thousand dollars to win a hundred. Well, all you yeah. would have done was lose two thousand dollars on that. I mean, one of the bigger upsets in a long, long time. 
Um, the only Oscar bet, I mean, you know, I haven't watched a movie in years. The only Oscar bet I laid was Viola Davis to win Best Actress. Did she? And that was that was on a tip from Adnan Verk. Uh, and no, she didn't. I believe it was the whatever the girl. I don't know the name. I just know she was plus one twenty five. I'll say this about the Oscars. <laughs> I hadn't seen any of the movies. I, the only movie I saw on the list, I think, was Borat's subsequent movie film, uh, which was excellent because uh, <laughs> she was nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Uh, but I tuned. Are, are you serious? An yeah. actress from Borat got an Oscar nomination. Yes, she was incredible. His uh, his daughter, <laughs> the girl who played his daughter, she was yes, definitely. Everyone saw. It. She's like, oh, that's an Oscar. You could win an Oscar in a comedy. It's definitely possible. <laughs> But I tuned in for, I think I, t- uh, nothing was going on. I was like, yeah, I'll tune in with my wife. We watch it. It was awful. It was so boring. They, you know, someone, some genius decided not to put a time limit on the speeches. That's never happening again. I think I turned it on twice and turned it off very, very quickly. And I mean, I hadn't seen any of the movies. So for during a three hour show, you know, maybe I could spend that three hours watching one of those movies that I've, I've never seen. Well, I'll tell you what, I certainly wasn't wasting any of my time watching these Hollywood types bloviate over each other and, you know, give out the awards on movies that I've never seen. What I did do last night, Remus, well, first of all, I did check in on some of your stream, which was always entertaining. Folks, if you're on Twitch, check them out, Adam Remus. Yeah, thank Uh, you. (laughs) But but I watched another incredible baseball game last night. This Dodgers-Padres rivalry, uh, like, I can't believe we were watching these games and it was April. I mean, this felt like October this entire weekend. Um, You know, you had the Kershaw loss in game number one, uh, Bauer coming back and getting bumped in uh, game number two, and then the matchup last night with the Dodgers up 7-1 in the seventh inning and the Padres putting up 2-2-2, having the winning runs on third in the ninth inning, not getting it done, and then winning in in, uh, the extra frame. Um, listen, I know there's a lot of people that, you know, are still in hockey mode right now, but I got to tell you, if you are at all a baseball fan and you see the LA Dodgers and Slam Diego going head to head, PVR that thing, make sure you watch it because, um, it's one of the best rivalries and the most fun sporting events right now when those two teams go head to head. Yeah. And Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, he's now he's like the new superstar. I mean, Mike Trout, he's been the best player, but he kind of just goes about his business pretty business-like. You wouldn't recognize him. Tatis, he's on the cover of MLB The Show. He's hitting multiple dingers, most notably off Trevor Bauer, and then covering his eye while rounding the bases, mocking Trevor Bauer, who, what, pitched, you know, with one eye closed during spring training. And they asked Trevor Bauer about it, and full props to him. He's not getting pissed off. He's got to respect the game. He's not doing that. He's like, you know what? We need that kind of personality in the game uh, I'm not going to go and, like, hit him the next time because he hit a home run off me. So um, I think, you know, you, you see these guys recognize that you can't be drilling a guy because he hit a home run off you and he's celebrating. you got to embrace it. And I think some, you know, some of these young players are putting baseball in the right direction. Yeah, I, I have – I used to – I couldn't stand Trevor Bauer for a long time. I thought he was full of himself. I didn't think that he was as good as his. I, mean, I thought he sort of wrote checks that his his mouth has wrote checks that he should, couldn't cash. Of course, there was the infamous drone incident, which <laughs> bounced him out of the playoffs, fixing his drone and making him unable to pitch. But I've totally done a 180 on Trevor Bauer now. He's one of the most interesting guys in sports. 
If you have seen, um, and most of you are with us on YouTube right now, go check out Trevor Bauer's YouTube feed. He's doing vlogs, like behind-the-scenes stuff throughout the season that, in a lot of ways, it's groundbreaking for a pro athlete. And I imagine when he went to L.A., he said, you know, by the way, I want to do this, and I'm not signing unless you guys are cool with it. And they're cool with it. And it has been, I mean, it really is, I think, kind of the next level of content from pro sports that, you know, you simply can't get anywhere else. Um, But I'm with you. I mean, he likes that. I mean, he talks a lot of trash himself, and he'll let you know when he gets you out in a big way. um, But he stands up. And, I mean, he said guys that throw at dudes after giving up home runs are soft. And I agree wholeheartedly. Um, listen, I think this is great for the game. This rivalry is great for the game. And um, it's, a, it's a good thing. Speaking of baseball, I got to give a shout out to the Royals. I might not have a chance to do this later on. Second best record in baseball, Reem. And both the Royals and the Jays helped me out big time. A little two-gamer yesterday afternoon. Both teams with shutouts. Um, Royals are a great underdog story. But, man, how about the Blue Jays winning the series against the Tampa Bay Rays with more injuries? And yesterday, every Blue Jay fan freaked out when they saw the big Korean Hunjin Ryu with a what they referred to as a minor glute strain. Um, maybe he was activating the glutes too much, like Tiger Woods told us uh, how to do back in the day. Um, anyways, the bullpen comes in and dominates Tampa. Huge win for the Blue Jays. And, man, they're getting contributions from so many players that, to be honest, at the start of the season, we wouldn't even expect them maybe to be in the lineup. Yeah, and we were talking to Keegan Matheson at the start of the year, who said Ryu was their most important player just because... They don't have the depth in the bullpen, but guys like Steven Matz and Robbie Ray have stepped up. We know their lineup is good, and the Blue Jays, they're not off to like a, a tremendous start, but we know it's a, you know, a long season, and they're in there. They're third, 10 and 11. You know it could be. They're only three games back, though, of the, of the Red Sox, so this was the year for the Blue Jays to make it into the playoffs, so we'll, we'll be keeping an eye on them as the season goes. Yes, indeed. Um, all right, so game tonight, mm-hmm. 8 o'clock. Uh, we'll check out that Flames-Habs game first. Um, for everyone that's with us live right now on YouTube, hit that like button yeah. if you haven't already, please. But in the chat, I'd like, some pre- I'd like some predictions for tonight's game. Did the Jets get back at it? Did they get back in the win column? Did they respond in the fashion that you Jet fans are hoping that you see? Or... Um, is this going to maybe take a little while to get out of as they go up against the uh, the Edmonton Oilers? So where are you on all that, Reem? Well, one th- here, one thing we got to get to uh, before I touch on that, uh, the Flames announced today a big injury, thanks to Chris for tweeting it at us. Noah Hannafin is done for the year, so that's a big blow for them on defense. Definitely. I'm, Definitely. I've been, yeah, I've been here, so I haven't seen you know, what their lines are going to be or who steps in, but uh, that is a big, big blow for them. I don't know. You know, as we talk about all year, how the Jets can't catch a break. No one's favoring them. They're you know, the only team they can be favored against is Ottawa. I was looking at the lines, or at least yesterday and this morning when I was putting them in, they're coming across the screen right now. Oh, okay, now it's uh, minus 105 to minus 111. But before the Ehlers injury, the Jets were actually favored and I was surprised. They haven't looked great the last couple of games. They're on a three-game losing streak. Um, so I, you know, I guess ride with the Jets to figure they can't lose four in a row. But things really seem to be spiraling. And Edmonton has their number this year. But you have to think one of these games the Jets will get it. Um, 
It's been I, a while since yeah. the Oilers have played too. Be interesting to see how they look in that first game uh, off of the uh, the layoff. Let's see what the chat has to say. But splits on Jets three one. Barry Stanchuk says six two oil. Uh, Winnipeg Jets two eighty says yes. Huss uh, that in regards to the big bounce back. Um, James Robinson, nope, not doing a prediction. It went the exact opposite of my last prediction, so not doing it. Justin F says 4-1 Oilers. Ooh, the bullet, not bullish on the Jets tonight. 5-0 Edmonton. <laughs> <laughs> Barry Stanchuk, my prediction, pain. Um, <laughs> Gitch. Yeah. Gitch is looking for a good one. 5-4 Jets. Um, so, yeah, we will <laughs> we will see. I love, by the way, the Mr. T line from Barry Stanchuk deserves a, a quick little bell. Nicely done. <laughs> I will say, uh, you know, for a fantasy, I took Appleton on DraftKings. He was like min price on the first line, getting first power play. I always yeah, take. What, I, I always take Appleton. What's Vess? What's Vess? Uh, He's got to be twenty five hundred, right? I'm not. Yeah, Appleton was like twenty eight hundred. I'm. I'm not touching Vess line, and he's on the third line. I don't think he, is he on power play two. I have it. No, he's not even on power play two. No. It's coming across the, the bottom right now. That, that's actually really helpful. During the show, when we're talking, like, oh, there's the line, <laughs> there's the line, right there. No shortage of uh, of jet stories today. Uh, Veselinen is, I don't, I don't know, what was his salary? I'm yeah, bringing it up here. I have is no is idea. he even listed? Like, I mean, he hasn't been in a game. I would imagine he's 2500. He's 2500. 25. Okay, that makes sense. Well, listen, if Appleton's 28, playing with Shifley on, listen, I don't think they are the top line. I mean, I think the Dubois line is the number one line, but. Listen, he's playing with Mark Shifley. They're going to get plenty of opportunities to get out there. And, of course, he's on the power play as well now because that, that power play, one unit, I, I don't know, you know, you know now with Pionk there, along uh, with Shifley, Wheeler, Stastny, and Appleton. Um, Appleton might be the best value play in DraftKings tonight. I'm actually kind of curious. I find it interesting that they took Connor off there because I agree with Murat. Connor is your shooter. He's been the line eight just on the opposite side. He's, they've been trying to feed him one-timers. Uh, I, I think we can all agree Josh Morrissey, great guy, nice player. His shot from the point on the power play, not a threat. Uh, we've seen that this year. Nice to see Pionk get a shot. He's been awesome. He's been one of their uh, point leaders on D. He's got a decent shot. I didn't even hit the post at the end of the last game. I know that because I had, I did have him in fantasy that night and was like, ah, I need, needed that, need that point. <laughs> like, why can't a post count as a shot on goal in the stats? But uh, I'm curious to see how that's going to go. Will they go back to Connor? I mean, Connor's your number one, your number one guy, and it, it is kind of weird that you wouldn't put him on the first power play. I mean, he's the trigger man. Maybe Shifley will, will shoot more because he's kind of been a bit passive, I think, and people want to see him shoot the puck more and maybe get closer and then he's kind of been hanging around on the boards yeah listen i never mind the power play five on five i think i paul maurice everyone just wants to see mark shifley come out with the you know a rocket strap to his back you know with a real energetic game getting on the four check you know making the most of playing with guys like cop and appleton and we'll see what they can do it'll be a bit of a different look for mark shifley um, certainly he's usually in an extremely high offense role um, they'll need more from that group today, and, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how they play together as well as how Paul Maurice handles these matchups when we get going right out of the first uh, the first period. I have to say, Reem, of this entire season, you know the, the team has been touch wood pretty healthy. Now they're dealing with a few injuries, but you know, so many times we'd go into games where it's like, okay, well they're playing these guys again, and. You know, they're in a pretty good spot. I mean, there wasn't really big stories around the Winnipeg Jets other than, 
you know, stacking up points and trying to get themselves into a playoff race. The amount of storylines going into this game, um, probably more than any time this season or for a long, long time, uh, giving people uh, a very thick notepad of things to look for going into the 8 o'clock puck drop. Yeah, I mean, we've got Ehlers injury, new lines, Shafley benched. Uh, coming off, we haven't even talked about this loss to Lisa. I know we briefly mentioned Ehlers and Joe Thornton jawing at each other. That was maybe one of the funniest moments <laughs> of the season. I was just getting a, a laugh out of them. I mean, you've got Joe Thornton uh, among the oldest players in the league. He's got this big, bushy, gray beard just going off on Ehlers in the penalty box. And Ehlers is just, like, sipping his water, like, not paying attention to him. I thought Ehlers played it off pretty well. Well, what, uh, about, what about Thornton after the game, too? Like... Now, I did not hear him say this, so maybe he was joking when he said it, and maybe he was kind of smirking, making fun of the fact that the Jets were pissed off with the hits and the fines that have happened with the Leafs. But he said that Ehlers should absolutely be getting a call from NHL player safety for the slash that he gave to to, to uh, Thornton. And listen, Thornton was pretty hot, so there was something that he didn't like, but when you consider everything that had happened over the course of this series to the Jets at, from the Toronto Maple Leafs and the fines that have been handed out, um, pretty rich from the bearded veteran to drop that on and uh, call out Nikolai Ehlers saying he should be getting a call from NHL player safety. Give me a break. Yeah, I don't know. And, and they did ask, you know, the they asked Wheeler and, and Maurice about some of these hits the last couple of games. And their standard answer has been, you know, what the ref, the ref didn't call it, so it must not have been a penalty or something like that. And I don't know. I'm kind of waiting for these guys, like, for Maurice to go off on the refs in a post game one of these times. Like, go get fined. Fire up uh, the fan base. Like, make him, you know, because I He's see saving of... those bullets for uh, about three weeks from now, he thinks, I think. He's saving them for the play. <laughs> I guess if you're going to get fined, like, make it be a, in a playoff game for calling out the officiating. But And then there was one other call we didn't even touch on on that Saturday game in Toronto. The... Dylan DeMello embellishment. Oh! I I tweeted out the video. It's two guys skating, DeMello and Muzzin. Muzzin reaches out and grabs DeMello. DeMello falls down. What? He, like, put his hands in the air? Coincidental he, like, minors. He, like, grabbed his shoulder as he fell. Like, he didn't fall in the, you know, the manly enough way for the refs. To I don't know. Muzzin even thought it was... So maybe there's something I missed on TV, but it seems like if you reach out and... Grab a guy with your free hand, and the guy falls. I don't know. It was like I don't want to call it a clothesline, but it was clothesline esque. And uh, uh, and don't get me that these was weak. these calls where it's like you send one guy for a penalty and one guy for embellishment. We've been saying this for years. They need to stop that. It's either one or the other. No, I I I I'm listen. If a guy you know makes a ridiculous dive to make sure the ref you know, sees it. I mean, I guess I can live with that. But, like, in situations like that, that was embarrassing. Was there I mean, that was, was there a dive there? Am I crazy? No, like, no, I, one was, I, no one was really talking about it on my timeline. I'm like, am I nuts? Am I the only one who thinks this? Like, I tweeted it out. It got, like, no likes. So, I don't know. And then the four-on-four. Four, th- if that was embellishment, then I'm the king of Wakanda. Well, yeah. you're... Uh, you, you you may be the king of Wakanda because apparently the referees decided that that was the case. But um, anyways, um, you know it's not uh, it, it it's not what we want. And Besplit's asking about the Wheeler hit. Um, listen, Reem has fired up the hot take extinguisher earlier today uh, about all that. Yeah, we'll that was at the back beginning. To it, but ten minutes into very, the show, 
he was mad. He still is mad about it. I'm still, I'm, I'm just like blown that. away that I'm seeing the only, and then just for the record, you did not like the Sandy hit. BA is asking in chat. Yeah, no. I mean, I certainly thought it was interference. I mean, yeah. I, I didn't think that this was like a big attempt to injure. I thought it was one of those plays that happened sort of quickly, yeah. but uh, it is dangerous and it was interference. So that that's sort of where, where, I, where I come out on it. I would have no issue if they did do something to sort of eliminate those hits because, I mean, just ask Wheeler. I mean, he's been knocked out. You know, he wasn't knocked out of the game that night, and that one was bad. The Brady Kachuk one was brutal, and, of course, he got elbowed in the head and knocked him out for two weeks. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know what these hits – I don't see a lot of benefit from them, and if we're worried about player safety, which apparently <laughs> they're supposed to be um, – you know, I think they are dangerous for players, so maybe it'll be something they look uh, at coming up in the I future. Did, I did see Ray Ferraro say that he's not a fan because they're interference. So Ray says that, then I'm on board too. I'm, I'm taking, taking Ray's side. Yeah. We got, we got a lot of people in chat asking us about UFC on the weekend. Oh, big, wow. Okay. Big card. Uh, some big viral moments. Too. <laughs> are you the kind of guy, when you um, see a big, gruesome injury like that, are you watching the replay like, over and over again, be like, oh, oh and can't like te- watch it, can't watch it at all. Friends? I, I, I heard about the Weidman injury, which, and all anyone needed to say was he, he got Anderson Silva with his <laughs> leg, and the, the just the thought of that turned my stomach. Remembering what happened to Silva that first time when his leg snapped, so I have not seen that. I've made a point of not seeking out, or if people are talking about it, just avoiding it. Um, but I'll tell you what, the other knockouts, I mean, the Usman knockout of Masvidal was about as clean a shot to the jaw. It almost knocked his head off. And, you know, shout out to Masvidal for being a stand-up guy afterwards, just saying, hey, I got beat by the better fighter and owned it. Um, and I'll tell you what, the big upset for me, Reem, was, the, um, was Thug Rose, who... I mean, almost took the champ's head off with that one kick and got on top of her. I was uh, I was stunned at that. I, I saw how the Chinese champion, her name escapes me, but saw she's just basically an anvil. She is so hard, like her physique. I didn't think there was any way Rose was going to be able to beat her. Uh, but Technique does that. There's a really cool video of her before the fight, standing there, focused, just yelling at herself that she is the best. And... Uh, you know what? I think it was about a minute 18 later words. She actually was the best. She's got the title back. That was, uh, I'm not a hardcore UFC guy, but I definitely will pop in on the big fights. And um, this was, you know, a great card, big crowd. I think there was at least three people wearing masks in the entire place in Jacksonville. But uh, <laughs> if you haven't had the vax, maybe don't be going to any UFC events anytime soon. Yeah. What, and yeah, the, the female uh, fights on UFC, I mean, just as entertaining as as a men. So uh, amazing card, um, and uh, yeah, that knockout, uh, the last one, Usman, uh, good stoppage by the ref there. I and mean, I think, you know, he wanted to go in for a bit more. The ref's like, eh, he might get up from this, but there were a couple extra shots. So uh, that was a like a Hollywood style knockout. The way Mavidal's head, uh, you know, went back there. It was. Uh, I've seen some videos online. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, no. Well, not awesome for him, but... but, Yeah, yeah, no, it definitely was not awesome Like, the picture of uh, the broadcast booth reaction there uh, to that has been going around Twitter as well. Many uses for that. Many uses for that one, that's for sure, as uh, we see. (laughs) 
Um, all right, great stuff. Uh, this was a lot of fun today. We got to thank Murata Tesh for joining us uh, for a bit of a longer segment. We didn't want to pl- plug in two guests today because there was so much to get to with the Jets and um, no one better to do it with than uh, Murat on a Monday here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Tomorrow on the program, we uh, will probably check in with the Ice before their final game of the season, have a little bit more on the Moose. Hopefully they can continue their red-hot play, up one nothing at last check while we're doing the show live here in the afternoon. Um, and, of course, the latest on the Jets in between these two games against the Edmonton Oilers. They'll get back at it here in uh, Winnipeg on Wednesday so tomorrow, a full recap of tonight's action, a look ahead to game number two of the quick series, and more as the Jets look to um, get by without Nikolai Ehlers and a new look for all of the lines up front in the aftermath of that injury and the Shifley benching on Saturday. Yeah, and before we go, we d- I do want to also bring up, uh, we did have some news today about the NHL's second U.S. television partner. I know you're fired up for this. It's going to be TNT uh, that's what Bob McKenzie was reporting that their close sports business journal reported this morning that it's not going to be NBC. So they've been with NBC for like, what, 15 years, going with ESPN and uh, TNT. So will we see your dream of Charles Barkley commenting on hockey, Stephen A possibly commentating? Like this needs to happen. I mean, we want to bring this sport to a new audience. We want a lot of people to get in. I don't know that you could have a better way of doing it than getting the entertainment of Charles Barkley in on some sort of a panel show. <clears throat> and, of course, the great Stephen A. Smith. Mm-hmm. Don't come at me with Stephen A. is annoying takes. He's the best in the business. Nobody creates content like Stephen A. Um, so, anyways, I'm here for all of it. Going to be interesting to see. And I think it'll be great for the National Hockey League to not be tied up with one programmer um, and to get the rub from ESPN Yes. As well as TNT, and uh, you know, that's uh, good on uh, Bill Daly, uh, Gary Bettman, and the guys that did these deals. Um, but man, it will be a big difference because it's sort of been a mainstay on NBC for the better part of the last decade. Yeah, NBC's I think done a good job of you know covering hockey. They've had the Stanley Cup Final, you know, the win- Winter Classic, big <laughs> part of that as well. Um, so I like uh, I like that they're going with the two. Yeah, I think you got to spread it out among the. What am I saying? The uh, partner, the broadcast partners. We've seen that here with the one. You wonder if they go to, go to two because then you know everyone's getting in on the coverage. You see, basketball has multiple. Baseball as well. NFL. NFL. I think that's. I think you need to have have that. I mean, no one's going to pay the bill for the entire the entire uh, agreement now anymore. I don't think that's that's going to happen. So I'm curious what ESPN's going to look like, what TNT's going to look like. People are like joking about TNT. I mean, they do March Madness. Uh, TBS does baseball. Um, they do basketball as well, so uh, it's going to look different, and I'm curious to see what's going to go. And maybe we will see Charles Barkley and Shaq. I mean, they have the they have TNT is the most entertaining basketball halftime show, and if they can bring that to hockey, uh, I think that's a positive. Taylor Taylor says I would pay to listen to Shaq yeah. commentate hockey. There's some great crossover potential for sure with the new partners for the National Hockey League. That being said, that's in the future. Tonight is what we're focused on. Jets and Oilers, 8 p.m. tonight. And, of course, uh, 5.30 will be that game between Calgary and Montreal. All of a sudden, a very interesting game in the North Division. Um, Shout out to our friends at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. If you're looking for a great getaway in Manitoba, 
normally they're full of Americans uh, through the month of uh, June into July. Not the case this year. A lot of business has been pushed back to next season. So take advantage of the availability. Um, it is a world-class place. We'll be getting out there this summer. I can't wait. Find out more online at AkinsLake.com. And again, I met, announced this on Friday, but we want to welcome Assiniboia Downs to our sponsor family. Great to have ASD on board. We'll talk to Darren Dunn about the upcoming season in a couple weeks. But handicapper Kirk Contois will join us on Friday to tee up this weekend's Kentucky Derby. That's going to do it for us today, folks. Thanks to Not Auto Corp, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, Nick and Nikki DQ, Breezy Bend, Cool Bet, and Aikens Lake and Assiniboia Downs. Should be a great game tonight. We thank again Murata Tesh, everyone that joined us live in the YouTube chat. Make sure you hit that link, hit that subscribe button, and spread the word on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Have a great night. Enjoy the game, and we'll see you tomorrow, 1 o'clock here live on YouTube and later on in your podcast feed on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Have a great one, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com. 